0: Namaste and welcome to the Bharat Varta Weekly. We bring you the news and events from the week that was. I'm Roshan Karyapa. I have with me Abhishek Paul and Nirav Kanodra here. Hey Abhishek, hey Nirav, it's been a while. This is our first weekly for the year. How are you guys feeling? Hey Kary, Nirav, doing good. Awesome, awesome. I hope the year is off to a good start. we have plenty to discuss today, uh, the NPCI has opened up UPI for NRIs, CBI has filed a case against a former finance secretary uh, Mr. Mayaram, the inflation numbers are at a record low of 5.72% and this again overlapped with the IIP which has uh, increased is uh, very interesting from an economy perspective. There was also news of a bombing strike near the India-Myanmar border and uh, in the world of sports, uh, India is hosting the hockey world cup. and in some entertainment news, uh, Natu Natu of RRR has won the Golden Globes for the best song. All of this and more on this weekly. If you are a new visitor, Bharatvarta publishes uh, episodes on politics, policy and culture. We do. We put out two or three episodes every week. Uh, Do subscribe to us if you want more content like that. And uh, if you're a returning visitor and you like our content, don't forget to rate and review us. It'll help more people discover our content. All right. Last week, we put out uh, this uh, very interesting uh, episode with the Brihat folks, uh, Pankaj and Raghav, uh, on reviving civilizational uh, ethos and uh, culture and so on. right? Uh, And why that is important uh, from a political perspective as well. Uh, Abhishek, Nirav, did you guys uh, catch that uh, episode?
1: I haven't caught the episode, but I have been following the Brahat guys on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So I think I've, that's the next thing that I have to listen. It should be very interesting, very topical. And I think they're doing great work. So kudos to Bharat Varta for hosting them as well.
2: Yeah, so I have caught it uh, like partially. I yet to uh, listen to it fully. But yeah, as Nirav said, they're doing some very interesting work. And the conversation... The start of it, what I heard was definitely very interesting, Uh, so would recommend the listeners and viewers to check it out.
0: Yeah, I think they're doing some amazing work uh, across different spheres, right? And uh, you know, there's this whole argument of uh, you know politics being downstream from culture and whatnot, right? Uh, but for me, I think this capture of the aesthetics is really important, and I think that is where on the Dharmic side we have we have kind of lagged, right? I mean, with this whole modernity equal to Westernism sort of a trope, we have lagged severely, and I think we have 40, 50 years is uh, you know baggage to sort of make up. Uh, And initiatives like Brihat are really something in the positive direction in that sense, right? And uh, if you haven't uh, seen the episode, do definitely check it out. It's available on all platforms. And let us know if there are other similar folks who are, you know, doing such similar endeavors as well. We'd love to host them on the podcast. All right, with that out of the way, let's uh, begin with our first piece of news for the week. NPCI has issued new guidelines allowing NRIs in 10 countries to access UPI services using their international mobile numbers. These will be for bank accounts which are classified as non-resident external NRE or non-resident ordinary or NRO. Member banks will need to ensure the UPI account is only allowed as per the extent FEMA regulations and adherence to the guidelines instructions issued by the concerned regulatory departments of RBI from time to time. Nirov, this is uh, this is amazing, right? I mean, now the NRIs can avail the convenience of uh, UPI.
1: Yeah, yeah. So people have like assumed a lot more than what has actually happened. This is like the first step. So basically, uh, this does not allow. So for, just to clarify. This does not allow UPI to be linked to your foreign bank account in whichever country that you are living in, right? This allows the account which you have in India with a bank in India, uh, which is a non-resident account and that connected to UPI. So I think it's always been difficult for me and I always carry a lot more cash when I visit being an NRI uh, whenever I go out because Either if I use my foreign credit card, it charges me a lot. I can use a debit card. I keep forgetting the pin. And all the payments which are made, what all my friends in India are making through uh, all these payment apps, UPI, uh, that is now allowed on my foreign Singapore mobile number, right? So that makes it very convenient. I think, but this is like a step. This is a great step. Uh, This allows uh, a lot of things. Whenever NRIs visit India, they can make these payments as well as a lot of people are availing of online services from India. Could, it could be like guitar coaching classes, yoga classes, uh, language classes, etc. There's some online tutoring, which all, all these things are picked up in the pandemic, a lot of it, right? For like NRI kids with like learning from people in India and there these payments can be made via UPI uh, linking to their phone as well, right? So uh, this kind of reduces the friction in this part, but think about what are the next steps? So the next steps is when Indians visit overseas, can they use their local bank account instead of like a credit card? to pay for uh, goods and services overseas? Can people use their foreign bank accounts and come to India and when they spend, can they link it? Right now, what is there is, you can use international credit cards, but those A, like they charge a lot of conversion fee, B, uh, they charge merchants for a fee, all the credit card providers, they do a fantastic job because it's seamless, but like look at uh, uh, Visa or MasterCard or American Express, they charge on both sides, right? Uh, What UPI is doing is it is eliminating this friction. Uh, These payment providers are basically creating a ledger entry and uh, debiting one account, crediting another account. And for that, they're charging quite a bit. Uh, UPI has kind of reduced this friction massively. And I think this goes a long way in uh, uh, further digital payments. So it's a very big positive. It's a positive. It's just one step, though. It's the first step, uh, first of many. And I welcome it totally. So basically that we have to carry less cash or withdraw less cash from ATM, and uh, less of a hassle for me personally. So I'm a direct beneficiary and I think this is uh, Indian payment processes could go like way further ahead and uh, we can uh, hopefully facilitate uh, foreigners visiting India or like Indians visiting abroad and facilitate that too as well in the future.
0: No, I think UPI internationalizing is that next level of growth uh, on this digital platform front, right? Uh, And I think there's no reason why India should not uh, do that. Uh, So yeah, fantastic uh, first step uh, from NPCI regarding this. In other news, uh, CBI or the Central Bureau of Investigation has filed a first information report against former finance secretary Arvind Mayaram for alleged irregularities in a currency printing case. The CBI alleged that Mayaram in 2013 had given an illegal extension to UK-based firm De La Roo International for supplying exclusive color shift security threat for Indian banknotes for a period of five years. It is alleged that the undue favour Mayaram provided to the British firm resulted in it making wrongful gains at a loss to the Indian Exchequer. Abhishek, this is uh, you know something that happened about eight or nine years back. What do you think uh, is the significance of this?
2: Yeah, so I mean, one of the immediate political talking points is that uh, the FIR follows very closely on the heels of Mr. Mayaram joining the Bharat Jodo Yatra of Rahul Gandhi. Well, it's quite well known that he is close to the Congress party, so that was not really a big secret. He's also officially like the uh, economic advisor of the uh, Ashok gelod government in Rajasthan right so that's like the political significance so you know uh, the opposition can always claim that the government is once again targeting an opposition linked person right uh, so to speak uh, coming to this uh, FIR and the whole thing related to Delaru, actually the story here goes back to at least 2004 so what happened is so as you said this is one of the this is about one of the security features that are there in the Indian currency note right it's like called a color shifting thread or something around those lines now uh, this UK based company had been given an exclusive contract way back in 2004 And actually, and the process had even started in 2002 to identify such a firm. Now, what happened is a year or two later, it was discovered by RBI that uh, the sort of submissions made by this firm uh, that they had a patent for this feature, uh, they actually did not have that patent at that time. So, that was the prima facie allegation that you know this. Company which has received this exclusivity contract via RBI did not actually have the patent. They actually got the patent quite a few years later, right? Uh, and so, uh, what has happened is Mr. Mayaram is sort of alleged to have sort of hidden these uh, facts from the finance minister uh, when they were sort of brought up by the RBI and also. Uh, uh is alleged to have helped in gaining getting this firm a number of extensions at least four extensions till 2014 or 2015 around that period so that is the prime fac allegation that uh, this uk-based firm delarue was uh, you know not exactly a qualified or perfectly qualified uh vendor and also that you know not all the facts of this uh web you know being brought up to the finance ministry or later when you need extensions you need the uh, home ministry uh sort of clearance and things like that so uh there were irregularities in providing the extensions to this firm which were facilitated allegedly by mr myram so that is basically the allegation there's also some allegation some other people in the reserve bank finance ministries and so on and so forth of having you know some monetary benefits received in related to these extensions and transactions so basically that is the case and so let's see how this uh, investigation goes forward
0: so do you think the currency notes have could have potentially been tampered with? I mean, if, you know, the firm did not have the IP and it was, uh, let's say, allegedly fraudulently done, do you think there is some significance on that front?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, there will be this uh, sort of theory that many people will have that, you know, we know that pre-demonetization, there has been a sort of quite a big buildup of fake currency Uh, in india right and so now there could be a theory that you know with was there some linkage to that with the rbi uh, and the finance ministry of that time giving contracts to you know unqualified or uh, vendors who were not up to the standard and so on like how much was it deliberate how much is there any linkage was there any malintent or was this purely a sort of a financial you know give and take behind it those are like we are well uh, quite a way away from you know able to concretely say anything on those subjects for now i think the fir is like for a much more limited scope right which talks about extensions or benefits being given to this particular uk firm
0: in an inappropriate manner. Alright, moving on, on the economy front, India's annual retail inflation in December edged down from the previous month and remained within the central bank's comfort zone, government data showed on Thursday. The annual retail inflation declined to 5.72% in December from 5.88% in the previous month. Uh, the latest inflation print was below the RBI's upper tolerance level of the 2 to 6% range for the second consecutive month. Meanwhile, the index of industrial production or the IIP jumped 7.1% in November as against 4% in October, according to government data. of this is uh, very promising news on the economy front, right? And especially given what's happening in the, in the macro economy globally. So,
1: yeah, I think there are a few things. So... One is like a lot of kudos to RBI for maintaining its school and not following in the West blindly. So one is during the pandemic, RBI said that we will focus on growth. Uh, we don't, we are okay with higher inflation. So we saw inflation number about like uh, reaching 7% plus 7.8 in April uh, last year, in April 2022. Then it's kind of gradually come down and like it's slowly that uh, it has come down slowly there's been a lot of criticism against it but at that time what the RBI had to focus on was trying to get back the indian economy back on growth track and they've gradually increased interest rates from four percent repo rate to 6.25 maybe they hike one more time or no let's see right they've been very prudent now just compare this to the us where they did unprecedented monetary stimulus unprecedented fiscal stimulus and you had rates at zero Uh, now they are at four and a half Uh, you had inflation which went up to nine percent in the us and now inflation there has come down to six and a half right so in a global globally linked economy with goods being traded across borders etc inflation is a global problem so there's not there's only limited tools that any country has Uh, so here india has to suffer From inflation, if global oil prices rise, right? So, you had the Russia Ukraine war, you had a lot of money being printed around the globe, which raises demand for goods everywhere. So, that makes goods pricier in India as well. But I think through the whole thing, by not giving too much stimulus, by government not spending money like crazy or giving blank checks, India had made those errors uh, after the global financial crisis, where a very big Narega plan was implemented, where a lot of lot more money was given out compared to what are the demand for uh, labor, right? So India has done quite well. And now we are seeing all these shoots come out. I think the industrial production numbers, yes, it's a noisy series, but I don't give too much weightage to it because uh, it only captures one part. The Indian economy has moved way too ahead. It's very much more services dependent, as well as all the new manufacturing is not captured in it. So that's why I with it. But sequentially, any number rising is a good thing. Maybe uh, whether it is capturing the whole slice of the economy or only small slice of the economy, that's a different thing. But inflation is coming down. I think everything is reasonably good. They are being prudent. And my best economic indicator, we will get it on uh, uh, 1st of February, is monthly GST collections. Uh, We are going to have the budget then as well. And uh, I think GST collections at about 1.5 lakh crore a month, it's been a steady run rate. Uh, some people say, oh, no, that means nominal growth is just flat. Inflation is too high. Now, inflation is coming off. So that means the real growth is increasing, right? So all these things are all positive signs. And uh, I really think uh, compared to the large Western economies, compared to our large neighbor on the East China, uh, India has done a very good job for like, a, you would call India like a lower middle income country uh, with India's resources. I think India's. Uh, done a phenomenal job uh, right from vaccination and you're going to have this whole talk with Ashish but like right from there to managing the economy I think what they have done is been very quiet sensible and gone about doing their jobs instead of tom-tomming too many things right and uh, it is showing up in the data uh, slowly I think this is this series slowly slowly goes closer to the midpoint of four to five percent soon so that is where uh, we are comfortable in our economy. We've not had this sudden sharp rise in interest rates or the bigger jerks, uh, whenever they hit these big shocks, uh, they hurt consumers and businesses quite hard, right? And India has approached a more gradual approach, uh, both sides, right? While easing as well, we cut in smaller steps. While hiking, we hiked in smaller steps. And I think they've uh, managed it quite well.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you look back to 2020 or so, the amount of uh, pressure that uh, there was uh, for some kind of fiscal stimulus, right, uh, just to hand people money, uh, like how the Western countries were doing, you know, the way we resisted all of that, I think, uh, you know, on hindsight has uh, really, really helped us, uh, right, of
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think Indian policymakers, they decided what is best for India at this point in time. We did not blindly ape anyone else. And we are seeing that play out quite well. So it is good that I'm not saying anything was perfect, but no no one else was either, right? Uh, obviously, but we've always been receptive to feedback and uh, slowly and steadily kind of progressed well. So I, I, it's it's quite a positive thing.
0: Yeah, I think what we don't have is what the West is seeing, which is both the supply side, the constraint and the demand side, right? I mean, uh, uh, excess uh, notes in the market and plus I mean supply side with the you know the whole war and everything of that sort right so yeah well moving on Myanmar's uh, military bombing of a key rebel camp on the border with Mizoram uh, on Tuesday has led to fear and panic in the areas of the state Uh, at least one shell fell on the Indian side there was no casualty but a truck on a riverbank close to the border was damaged according to a Champai district official. Uh, the Myanmar military launched airstrikes on Camp Victoria in Chin State late Tuesday afternoon. Camp Victoria is the headquarters of the Chin National Army or the CNA, an ethnic armed organization in uh, in Chin State. Uh, Abhishek, any cause for alarm or just uh, something that probably got out of hand, uh, you know, in an unplanned manner?
2: Yeah, so I don't know if it you can call it an unplanned incursion or anything like that. The fact is that some of the opponents of the current Myanmar military government are also armed rebels themselves. Right. And so the Myanmar uh, government uh, was targeting uh, this particular camp in the Chin state. This place, as you said, is called Camp Victoria and it's the headquarters of the Chin National Army. Uh, which is one of the so-called pro-democracy forces in Myanmar, but they're also sort of an armed resistance, right? And so this place is very close to the border with Mizoram, And so there are conflicting reports about uh, whether some of the airstrikes used uh, indian airspace and also whether some of the shelling landed on the indian side of the border i think th- there's been no official confirmation of this by the indian side i think india typically would like to downplay any of this because the idea is probably not to aggravate relations with myanmar and in the past myanmar has also helped out the indian government in allowing the Indian armed forces to conduct strikes, uh, which might even be going into the Myanmar territory while targeting Northeast insurgents, right? So it's a bit of a like a give and take that happens between India and Myanmar. I think the bigger, bigger noise about it was raised in the British media, right? Especially the Guardian, which was the one to report that The Myanmaris uh, entered into India or like some of the shelling landed into India from these airstrikes. And based on that, there were like human rights groups who urged the sort of Indian government to not allow the Myanmar uh, military to sort of use Indian airspace to target, uh, you know, these uh, rebels or whatever you want to call them. Uh, I think uh, we have to recognize the fact that these are disturbed areas and uh, there is obviously some sympathy for the people in these areas who are fighting the Myanmar government among the people in our border states. I think about 40,000 people have sort of shifted from Myanmar into India over the last uh, some period of time. Uh, basically fleeing the uh, Myanmar government and its actions. But India typically chooses to be uh, very sort of non-vocal about anything that happens in Myanmar, including sort of abstaining in the United Nations, right? Uh, And it's based on a strategic calculation that, you know, we have enough sort of troubles on our eastern borders and. We don't want one more um, adversarial relationship there, right, with Myanmar. And so basically India prefers to let Myanmar uh, deal with whatever is happening within its boundaries to itself. We faced some sort of issues in the past, uh, including the Rohingya issue, right, which is like oftentimes a sort of contentious political issue within India but even then i think uh, the overall indian government you know response to myanmar and this is across governments right it's like uh, whether it's congress or bjp we have always tended not comment on anything uh, that is happening within myanmar right and not interfere in their internal affairs and so that policy is not likely to change any time i think whether a bit of this shelling landed on India's side or not, India will, I don't think, uh, comment on it publicly. They'll probably let Myanmar know of its concerns, uh, but not, you know, publicly comment on it uh, so that the issue does not get, you know, blown out of proportion.
0: Uh, Well, in more positive news, uh, the FIH Men's Hockey World Cup 2023 is being held in the Indian state of Odisha. Uh, and it started yesterday, 13th January, and it's uh, scheduled to go until 29th January. Uh, the matches will be at two stadiums, Kalinga Stadium in Bhubaneswar and Birsamunda Stadium at Rourkela. India began their Hockey World Cup campaign with a dominating 2-0 win versus Spain at the Munda Hockey Stadium uh, on Friday of, uh, this is pretty exciting, uh, you know, I saw a full page ad in the newspaper, but there was also some chatter on on Twitter, etc. I think uh, particularly Viren Raskina, the former Indian captain, had said, you know, there should definitely be m- more news and attention given to this, right? So, what do you make of this?
1: Yeah, oh no, so absolutely. So, first thing, Indian hockey has gone on like great leaps and bounds in the recent years, right? So, we've got the bronze medal in the Olympics, And we won the silver medal in the Commonwealth Games. Both were won by Australia, right? Uh, This is the World Cup uh, held in India. India's current ranking is uh, world number six. But now India really needs to win it, having the home advantage, right? So that's a very big positive step. Two is I agree with Viren Raskina. See, what happens is all sports, uh, they make money if more people watch it and via advertising, right? And uh, if people are watching... Uh, like there's only a limited attention span if and a lot of sports actually sports leagues are marketing successes so if people are watching english premier league or spanish league in football or like formula one etc their attention is diverted there the advertising money which is from their attention is actually going to those sports so if this can be captured within india this money would pour back into indian hockey with better training better facilities more people take up sports i am also like uh, to be blamed but India is a sports watching nation, not a sports playing nation. And some successes in all these other sports. I think cricket takes like the big chunk of our mind space. Badminton has made a great job. Uh, kudos to Gopi Chan. But India started winning in badminton. People start talking and watching badminton. I think same thing I feel and I hope that uh, this Hockey World Cup does. Uh, Indian cricket wasn't that popular till the 1983 World Cup win. Uh, if this World Cup win does happen in India and is seen by everyone, uh, that can hopefully change the fortunes of Indian hockey. Uh, we can have like a similar hockey league in India. So, I think uh, that is very important. Uh, about the World Cup, 16 teams are playing. There are four groups of four each. India is in a tough group. So, it's India, England, Wales and Spain. England beat Wales in the other group group match 5-0. And the favourites for winning the World Cup is Australia. Uh, they won their game 8-0 versus France. They are in the In group A, the top team from each group will qualify directly to the quarterfinals. Whereas team number two and three will have to go through like a playoff format. Then they go to the quarterfinals and then uh, four quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. It is available for streaming, I think on Disney Hotstar in India. There is Olympic.hockey app as well, where I am following it on uh, outside India. So uh, I would really recommend, I think it is all India games are I think 7pm. Sunday, we've got the India England game. So I would like strongly recommend uh, uh, all Indians to go watch it, cheer the Indian team, uh, get to know our players better. Uh, Hockey is also a very entertaining sport, which I've realized only later in life, uh, that it's it's a very fast-paced, it's a very fast-paced game, uh, four quarters of 15 minutes only. And uh, while I think like, because the ball is small and a lot of players are running around sometimes, it is difficult to follow. But I think that is the same thing, which probably what cricket had in the 70s, with not a lot of money in the game, not that many camera angles. And now it's getting better and better, right? So if more people are aware about this Hockey World Cup, more people go on and cheer India. I think the Odisha government has spent a lot of money on hockey. Uh, this whole World Cup is being held in Odisha. Uh, the Birsa Munda Stadium at Rorkela is a new stadium. The Kalinga Stadium is already there. So anyways, uh, I hope that India does win this World Cup. Uh, we've got Asian Games in Hangzhou in... Uh, in Hangzhou in China in September. There, we should be the favorites to win the Asian Games. And then we've got the Paris Olympics in 2024 next year, right? I hope all of these culminate in victories, gold medals. And uh, anything less than a gold medal, I'll be like uh, a little bit disappointed, let's say. I'm hoping for the best. I'm being realistic that yes, India is kind of ranked uh, sixth in the world, but we have a home ground advantage. So hopefully we punch above our weight and we win the World Cup. Prove those rankings wrong. And uh, yeah. Uh, and ho- And this whole tournament can be very entertaining, right? It starts on 13th of January, ends on 29th January. It doesn't take up a whole day like a one-day international World Cup, right? Uh, you can watch it at 7 p.m. Uh, after your work day is done. Uh, you can watch it on streaming sites. You can watch it while on your phone, on your commute. So yeah, please, I think, would encourage more listeners of Bharatwarta. Uh, hockey is our national game. It is our our old heritage where we got eight Olympic gold medals. And I think it's time to add to that tally, right? And India has won the first Hockey World Cup in 1975 and never won it again. Uh, Time to change that as well. And Pakistan has won it four times. But unfortunately, they did not qualify in the top 16 this time, right? So that is there. Uh, Keeping fingers crossed and uh, wishing India uh, their second World Cup win in hockey.
0: Awesome. So you heard that very passionate plea from Nirav. Uh, Go watch the Hockey World Cup, uh, maybe catch a few minutes at least. Well, speaking of winning, the song Natu Natu from the wildly popular Telugu film RRR made history at the 80th Golden Globes as it became the first Indian song to win the Best Original Song award. Some of the other nominees in the category were Rihanna's Lift Me Up from Marvel's Black Panther, Taylor Swift's Carolina from Where the Crawdads Sing, and Lady Gaga's Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. The Golden Globes also boost the chances of a film potentially receiving an Oscar later on. Abhishek, what do you make of this? Uh, it is a it is a catchy song for sure. And of course, a super entertaining movie.
2: Yeah, like very happy for the team uh, of RRR and especially the music director, Shakirawani. It's a bit underrated by us Indians in general, right? Like he's not quite, talked about in the same uh, way as someone like Anir Rahman but then so uh, it often takes something like this right where you know he's now much more prominently recognized so yeah I think a great recognition for him what I have found more interesting is is the whole uh, way in which RRR has got Um, it has become like a craze in the west especially the united states so i was just telling someone that you know there were these scenes of people coming up to the stage near the screen and dancing right in the united states watching this movie especially for this song and so i was saying that finally you know folks they are realizing what happens to a regular rajnikanth or salman khan (laughs) A uh, movie in india right especially you know the pre-multiplex days right it used to be a pretty common thing i think our urban centers have become quite sanitized now right and sort yeah, of yeah. behave
0: i mean I, I know people throwing coins and coins at the screen and stuff right so i would say at least in the
2: metros i think things are a lot lot more sanitized now uh, especially with uh, the multiplex culture but the old those of us who have been to the old uh, single screens will know right and that is exactly how uh, some of the scenes are these days in the united states so i was listening to a few interviews of raja molly right uh, and he's now you know doing the rounds of the really top uh, uh late night talk shows etc right and so apart from getting recognized by so a lot of uh critical critics uh, in the west right and winning critics awards which is a bit uh, strange in the sense that uh, within india i think most of the critics at least did not really rate RRR that well so you know he was talking about this phenomenon of getting recognized in the west and he said he said initially he thought it was just you know Telugu people or maybe indians in general in the u.s really you were like liking it then he thought maybe these people got their friends to go out and see the movie in large numbers but finally about two three weeks he realized no it is the you know common cinema going overall public in the us which is uh, enjoying it so much so i was reading a lot of comments in youtube etc as to what really clicked for the western audience right and i feel it's like this movie is so sort of sincere and earnest in whatever it is doing uh, and the over the top stuff is not done with a nudge nudge wink wink sort of fashion which you see in these marvel dc sort of or let's say a fast and furious franchise movie right where there is a sort of lack of earnestness or sincere sincerity from their side and so it's become like this unique thing for the Western audience, right? Where they have for the first time getting exposed to this kind of cinema from India. And so, yeah, I think it's good if this sort of that more Indian movies are uh, seen by foreign audiences, the better it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, Just want to add the Natu Natu song is uh, shot out in Ukraine, actually outside the palace and yes actually this is a great thing see india makes a lot of movies so one is not just bollywood but south indian movies in all four states uh, have their own distinct movies and their culture is kind of represented that way right and with easy streaming easy access and subtitles or easy dubbing we've got a great history and like a big database of like indian movies right and and we open it opens up the whole western world to us. I think this is a great opportunity, opens up doors for like a lot more movie makers uh, to make movies which will be appreciated by an international audience. And uh, it's an export opportunity as well as export our culture and uh, as well, right? So uh, really glad for that.
0: No, I I think, you know, Abhishek hit the nail on the head, right? He called it simple and sincere. And I think that is what is lacking in some of the modern productions, right? I mean, I'm not uh, naming names, but some of the Hollywood uh, stuff is just so twisted and I won't even call it sophisticated. I mean, it requires so much of uh, paying attention to and stuff, right? I mean, I think people need some sort of a correction on on that front. And and that's why I think even the Marvel movies are uh, popular, right? I mean, if you look at you know, Hollywood releases for this year itself. I mean, I I think seven or eight of the most awaited releases are all either Disney movies or the Marvel types, right? So yeah, I mean, fantastic. And, uh, you know, I I was seeing uh, uh, scenes of uh, people chanting Jai Jai on on Instagram, right? A couple of clips went viral. Uh, so I'm just uh, waiting for people to discover some of the other Southern movie stars as well, right? I mean, that should be fun. All right, folks, we're at the end of the Bharatwarta Weekly uh, for this week. Uh, thank you so much uh, for tuning in and staying with us uh, up until now. Uh, we have a couple of very entertaining, uh, positive episodes coming up. Uh, we have our old friend Ashish Chandorkar has written a book called Braving a Viral Storm, along with uh, Suraj Sudhir, and they document India's COVID-19 vaccine story. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a f- it was a fascinating uh, read, I should say. Very, very thoroughly researched, and also, more importantly, I think, eminently readable as well, especially for me. It just uh, leaves you with a sense of gratitude towards all of the people who kept us safe, uh, you know, and uh, uh, sort of also instills that pride in uh, you for, uh, you know, for the way India has been able to manage the last two or three years in perhaps the most difficult uh, circumstances in uh, recent times. Uh, So I'm really looking forward, as I'm sure you will do. With that, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Bharatwarta Weekly. Do keep coming back to our channel. There's a lot more interesting content coming up. And if you like our content, don't forget to rate and review us. Share it with your friends and family. So from Abhishek, Niro and myself, thank you again for joining us. Stay safe, take care and Jai Hind.